Are you or someone you know looking to work with a life coach? Then look no further. You found one. I am a certified life coach working in somatics, body work, um, which means that we tune into what the body is telling us in order to figure out what's going on for us. And just so many of us are not even tuned into our bodies to know what we need in order to move forward. Having a life coach was something that helped me move forward in my life, and I have been working with many people to help them do that same kind of work. If you're interested, check out my website at candisglass.com or go ahead and just send me an email at explore at candisglass.com. Hello, and welcome to the Wisdom of Wandering and Wondering. I'm your host, Candace Glass. Got a juicy show for you today. Um, I'm talking with my good friend, Michelle Miller, um, who lives uh, currently and has been living for some time in Panama, which some of you will know that I was living there for the last year up until May of this year. And, um, Today we talk about so many things, but travel, psychedelics, and the choice to leave the United States and to live in another country, and the implications of being American in another country, what that looks like, what that feels like, what we wonder about when we're there. So um, check it out. Um, I really love talking to Michelle and miss our beach walks that we had all the time where we discussed a lot of this stuff. So here we go. Good morning, Michelle. Hello. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, it's been a minute. Um, I missed your face. So much. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, much. I've been missing you here too. So um, thank you for saying yes to coming on and having a conversation with me um, about life, your life, and just life in general. And um, I'm wondering if you can just start by introducing yourself and telling um, the listeners just a little bit about who you are. Yes, my name is Michelle Miller. I was mostly raised in Southern California, even though I was born in Michigan and have very Midwestern parents. <laughs> and so I was raised with those traditional Midwestern values in a very lib liberal state or environment. Uh -huh. um, and what that meant was hardworking, community-minded, basically you work hard to save, to retire, and then you die. Okay. I, I know <laughs> those, those Midwestern <laughs> those values. <laughs> values very well. <laughs> you know, and from really early on, that made me sad. I was like, really? That's all there is to mm. life, to this experience? Mm. And I started questioning and I started exploring at a pretty young age, um, mm -hmm. first with psychedelics when I was 15. Okay. And then later with travel. Okay. And we're going to get to the psychedelic piece later, I know. Um, <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I have, I'm, I want to make sure we cover, talk about that. So, but go ahead. You, you traveled and. Yeah, I really wanted to put some of those ideas to the test is like, I can't believe that this is all there is. And really mm. psychedelics kind of opened me up to the possibility of more. Okay. And then and like universal law and and other energies at play. Okay. okay. Because and what's cool about now too, is like everybody knows that you know, money, our system, air quotes, is a man-made construct. We know that. Right. But it's like, well, what else is there then? What other laws, what other rules are at play? And when I went traveling, it was really to step out and put all that stuff to the test. Like, really, do we really need money? Do we really need to work? Do we really need to live by all these rules? Mm -hmm. 
especially when we can see the rules aren't fair or they're not just to anyone, but that's hard growing up. I mean, I, you know, you, I admire you for seeing that like at such a young age, because really oftentimes we, we don't, right. We, we do the things we are, our parents are there. They're, they're the guiding people or the community that we're around and that sort of thing. And so it's just kind of like that, that follow through of this is what they did, or this is what the expectation is. Right. And so to see that at like 15 years of age and deciding then to be like, "Mm, this ain't. Well, and I think it was partly the contrast, right? So it was like, okay, it's like really heavy, thick morals and values at home, but yet growing up in the 80s near Los Angeles, it was like, you know, green mohawks and punk rock, <laughs> and then the Doors movie came out. Oh my gosh! Like, well, wait a second. Right, right. There's clearly something else going yeah. on. Yeah. No, for Which, sure. And no fault to them. It just wasn't available to them. No. And yeah. And 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 it's interesting. Just and I think about our parents' lives. And like you said, you know, Midwest is very different from the coast, you know, whether it's the West coast or the East coast, you know, New York as well, a lot of stuff going on there that we just wouldn't have had influence of, you know, and you and I have talked about, like, I came to some of that stuff later, um, not quite at 15, but later for me, but still that curiosity about like, and it was the same things, you know, you'd, engaging in play with, you know, with drugs and, and seeing these movies of, of what's going on and what had been going on in the sixties and the seventies. And then I remember finding a book. Oh, what's the name of that Ram Das book? You'll know it. The mm, one. Be here now. Yes. On a mushroom trip. It's like no the less. psychedelic coloring book. <laughs> right. You know, it's like tripping on mushrooms and found this book at a friend's house. And it's like, Oh, (laughs) yeah. And just how, how malleable is reality is kind of what I became interested in. Yeah. Okay. So I want to go back just a little bit because I want to, you know, people don't know that I know you from Panama, um, which is where you've been living. You've been in Santa Catalina for how many years now? 17. Oh my gosh. So, and, and it's funny because Santa Catalina to me seems very remote, but I can't imagine what it was like 17 years ago. Yeah, no, it's changed. (laughs) It's changed so much. (laughs) How did you get there? I mean, like what, I mean, yeah. How did you get there? Well, I had shoved off from the continental U.S. when I was 19, and that first trip was to Alaska, Okay, which is a very different mindset in itself. Um, I was very much living in the forest there, Um, and then my first international trip was in 96 when I was 20 years old. Um, Wait, 97, I believe, and... From there, I just got hooked. It was Mm. like, okay, this is an alternative reality. Yeah. For sure, you know? And, oh, there's more emphasis put on happiness here. Mm. You know? And it brings me closer to nature, closer to myself, closer to our true nature Mm -hmm. of just helping one another and trusting even, you know, and I know religion plays a big part in the culture here. And it's very much Dios primero, God first. Okay. And I mean, let's face it, in the US, it's kind of money first. <laughs> you know, and ourselves first. Yeah. Because we have to take care of ourselves. You yeah. Know? And taking care of ourselves, ourselves first in a very different way than like, I think of spirituality and like, I need to know myself, right? And I need to put myself first 
from the standpoint of understanding me so that I can operate in the rest of the world, which is exactly. very different than first, exactly. like, I'm going to, I'm going to climb to the top. It's all about me. Exactly. I'm thinking of more of a competitive yeah. monetary sense yeah. of like, I need to look out for what's mine and what's mine is mine. Right. right. Um, yeah. Well, and the idea of like nature too, which you know, I didn't grow up around necessarily a lot of nature growing up in Champaign, Illinois, you know, it's a university town. Now I did find that some, um, but it wasn't readily accessible. Like I would imagine Alaska probably was at that time. Exactly. No, Alaska is so beautiful. And I mean, there was no smartphones. There was no phone phones. There was, you know, no, I turned off the TV, you know, around then in the mid nineties. And Mm -hmm. so it was just focusing on me, on the moment, on nature, on what the universe brings, on what was presented to me in my life. Um, And having gratitude for those gifts. It's like, there's no distraction when you're in nature and with, when you're just with yourself and you're being present with everything around you, it's like, I'm looking for a job. I have no job. I landed here. Okay. What's being presented. And it's kind of on high awareness too, when you put yourself in, in such a raw place Mm -hmm. to me, there's no way to not notice some of these things that are happening to you. If, if that's kind of all you've got and you've turned off the distractions. Yeah. Well, and it goes like, I always think about growing up like childhood, you know, well, yeah, we had the television, but like you said, we didn't have um, these smartphones that do everything for us. And the ability, like how we thought and the creativity that would come about as a result of not always having everything like right here, right now, you know, and that's the mindset today. And I often wonder, like, I feel like there's a sense of loss with creativity in the world today because there's almost too much. And I get that, yeah, it's nice to have the things like traveling out here, put into my Google maps from Tucson to Colorado, right? That's, that's a really great thing. I didn't have to bring out the big, huge map and everything, but all of the time spent on social media and children from a young age now are being exposed and changing the chemistry of their brains at like three years of age, you know, because of parents handing them a cell phone to keep them quiet or, whatever, you know, and these young girls and bullying on social media. Now it's like, wasn't bullying enough in person? I mean, that we got to do it on. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I love your wondering and wandering because that's the thing. If we can just look something up on Google and we take that verbatim, even if we read two or three things, those are all opinions. Those are all things that yep. other people have put on there. Even Wikipedia is socially, yep. know, it's a social platform, right? And so what about just keep on wondering and yeah. keep on asking those questions and being with yourself and you, what feels right for you and what you come up with and you know, a lot of times, and who knows, maybe this is just Google and algorithms, but some of the stuff I'm thinking of, I can't find on Google. (laughs) I'm like, wait, how is nobody thinking of this? Or maybe it's just so far down. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, how are people not questioning some of, of, of these things? people don't question they just acceptance of what is it put in front of them anymore and it's like we should always be asking the question and redefine and defining it not redefining but or maybe redefining for ourselves what our truth is you know and how we feel about things I'm curious and knowing about- that it's always changing too it, that's a yes, hard piece yeah always <laughs> always and people aren't people don't like change right we like our our comfortable lives in whatever way we've shaped it to be and not, and stepping outside of that can be really hard. And that's the thing about our reality too. And not wanting to be wrong about what you've believed to be true. If you've built your whole life on 
what we've been told is our fundamental truth, which are just man-made systems of, you know, you get the home loan, you do this, you yeah. do that. You, and, there's only one way. <laughs> we change, right? Like as we age and, and learn new things, we change. So what, how can we expect like to be, you know, I mean, this is silly, right? But, you know, I played with Barbies at, you know, seven years of age, you know, at 15, I'm, I'm a different person. I'm not going to play with Barbies anymore, you know, and that's, that's a small and kind of silly analogy, but it goes for everything, right? Like at, at 18 years of age, I may have been into dudes with long hair and riding on motorcycles, you know, they're still hot today, <laughs> but it's not necessarily the one that I want to be with, you know, like <laughs> exactly. No, we, we should hopefully be constantly changing and growing and yeah. Um, so I'm curious about like when you were in Alaska and I know we were trying to get, I'm trying to get us to like, um, why you were in, um, what led you to being in Santa Catalina, but also I'm curious about what some of those early lessons were for you with nature. Mm -hmm. At first it was just getting quiet and realizing everything I had to turn off. Okay. You know, here I was 19 years old. I had just flown from Northern California. I was living in Chico into just this waterfall, lush forest, bare blueberry wonderland <laughs> going, oh my God, this is the real world. Mm. So I'm out of the so-called real world. And just being in that, that was a huge lesson of like, okay, no, that's not the real world. This is the real world. The natural world is the yeah. real world. Mm -hmm. And there's so many gifts here. And, you know, it's, there is a Bible verse that's just always rang true for me. And I'm, I'm way more spiritual. I'm a spiritual person, not a religious person by any right. means, but I would definitely grew up with Christianity and it's like, it says something like, you know, if God provides for the birds and the bees, why wouldn't he provide for you? Oh, I love that. And That's that trust it, again, right? It's trust and it's looking around and going, wow, these bears are eating the blueberries. Like these huge, massive animals survive on nature. Yeah. On fish and blueberries and all the same stuff's available to us to mm -hmm. survive. And here we are like, no, we need a cutthroat business plan to make it happen. Right. It's like, what? Right. Well, and the simplicity of that, right? Like I must've sat outside. There was a storm the other day that came in and I know I stood on the porch watching that storm come in and then it le and going out and then the sky changing, like, I don't know, 15 different sh colors, you know? And like, and to me, that was just magic. Like, and I love just the simplicity and it's like change in action, right? Like storms come in, storms grow out and the sun shines again, you know? Like that kind of other mentality or way of thinking about how we live our lives too, you know, and that times will come hard and, and then it softens again. Beautiful. Yeah. And so for me, it was, okay, this is the real world, the natural world, right? Supposedly nature, God, the universe provides for us. Yep. And so then how, how does that relate to me, to my life and playing with that kind of set me on my journey playing with, well, how much can I trust the universe? Can I let go of money? Can I let go of the system? Mm -hmm. And I, and, and that's one of, um, well, you didn't mention that. So I'm going to mention it, but that's one of the stories told in your book that we're going to talk about a little bit later too. Um, and I, I thought that was so interesting when I read that part in, in, in your book about you, because you did, you actually like played with that, right? Like, let's try not to do this. Yeah. I mean, how far does it go? If we trust in the Bible, we trust in God, we trust in the universe. 
Right. Can we trust completely and know that we'll be provided for just like the birds, the bees, the animals, the trees? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thought that just went through my head now is the, is people that are highly religious and like would not trust in that, in that way. Right. Like they're not really going to do it. It's, it's like almost pick the pieces that they want to, you know, instead of seeing it as a whole and how we should live our lives. Because if we were really to do that, then there wouldn't be all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, right? With people and the cruelness that's happening in, especially here in America. Feeling like, I mean, I mean, trust and competitive competitiveness essentially stems from not trusting and not feeling like there's enough from a feeling of lack, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And so you're right. I mean, that does seem to be the stem of the root of a lot of. Well, and it goes right back to what you were saying earlier about thinking for ourselves too, right? It's like, here we are, we have this book, the Bible that was written by some man somewhere. And then we have this reverend or preacher in the church that's gonna pull out this verse and tell you how to live your life. And you're gonna pull on that and follow it and say, well, the reverend said, or the Bible says, and still it's like, okay, but how does that apply to you in your life? What do you see? What can you change or, you know what I mean? like. This is, I've always just loved common sense spirituality. Yeah, okay. I've had such a hard time reading like spiritual texts or getting myself all the way through the Bhagavad Gita or even the Yoga Sutras because I read one little thing and I'm like, mind blown. (laughs) I'm like, well, then what? Like, I got to spend my whole life observing that and like (laughs) seeing how that plays out. Like just this whole thing, God provides for us. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I don't remember exactly where I was going with that, but in my book, I talk about how different that looks. So like you're saying, a lot of the most religious people probably wouldn't take on that experiment. Right. And yet here I was this like dirty looking hippie (laughs) traveler. And so for sure, I was being looked down upon Mm -hmm. and not like one of God's children or a brother or sister in this world, but more of a low life, get a job, get Mm -hmm. with the program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's fast forward a bit and let's get to Panama because you got there and you started creating some things, right? Yeah, so I took that mentality of like, let me create my own reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to live a more simple lifestyle closer to the earth in nature where I'm not just profit driven. Yep. The vision included helping people, helping people who probably had less than us and less opportunity than where we were coming from in the U.S. of A. Yep. And that all kind of snowballed. (laughs) (laughs) Say more. (laughs) So my vision when I was traveling by myself was I was just going to go back to Alaska, save some money to buy a tiny piece of property somewhere in tropical paradise. And all I needed for myself was little in my vision two-story kind of studio thing downstairs I could do my massage I could live upstairs and I would just ride my bike and eat pineapples and it would be all sloths and rainbows (laughs) (laughs) and the reality (laughs) and as I set to work putting this plan in motion I met my who would be my husband Ah. And he has a lot more drive, financial drive than I do. Mm -hmm. And clearly we couldn't live off of just my massage and he wouldn't want that anyway. He has, he had a young son at the time, but he was up for the adventure. Okay. And so we looked around quite a bit. We started in Costa Rica. We bought a one-way ticket, sold everything, 
went to where I had really loved in Puerto Viejo and started looking there. And then just kind of as we traveled, learning more and more about each area, what we didn't want, what we wanted Mm -hmm. until eventually we crossed the border into Panama. And when we got to Santa Catalina, we're like, boom, yes, it's still an authentic village. We are not like the only gringos here. There was a small international community. Okay. There was about five restaurants and five hotels. (laughs) There was two little window stores that you couldn't walk inside. You just had to ask for things at the window. Okay. And there was one payphone at the corner. (laughs) And there was not the corner store. There was not... Where that hotel sits on the corner now uh-huh. is like a big two-story building with yeah. a hotel upstairs. Yep. That was where the payphone and a little thatched roof restaurant was. Okay. And, yeah. Very different now. Yeah. No internet, no phones. Uh, yeah. No, no bank, no ATM, no doctor, no real grocery store, nothing. Yeah. We loved it. Right. <laughs> We're like, this is it. This is it. This is, yeah. yeah. A lot of people could not have done that. Yeah. I mean, we were looking for someplace that wasn't already too developed. Right. Without knowing, um, I mean, we, it wasn't because there was more opportunity per se, which that became a piece later. Okay. But it was more because we wanted to live amongst a different culture. Yeah. And somehow be part of that or give back to it or, or, and absorb that or kind of assimilate into that and strip right. ourselves of these kind of Western values. Right. Um, so, but without realizing it, being on the ground floor like that means making change. Yeah. And that was a piece I hadn't really thought of because I never thought that I would be in such a, an authentic place or undeveloped place. That wasn't really part of my vision. You know, I kind of knew where I wanted to be in Costa Rica and that didn't work out for a number of reasons. But um, so now it was like, Oh, playing with that or taking that on and realizing what that means. Like I'm going to be the face of change on main street here. We were essentially the first Americans to come in and build a business there, at least on main street. And there wasn't really anything foreign owned right there on main street. There was um, a Portuguese owned hotel up the road that was kind of hidden and set back. Okay. But this was going to be like the first big change, the first foreigners to put up a business right in town. Okay. Okay. And like, what was the drive to create that? Because you you're saying like you, I mean, I know you said that your husband was more financially driven in that way but was it the two of you coming together to like what was that discussion like to create yeah every place well we're both super creative so every place we would go to and I mean man we must have been 20 30 locations before we landed there it would be like oh wow there's nothing here what would you do here oh wow there's already so much here. What would you do here? Mm -hmm. And so we had been ping ponging all these ideas off of one another for at this point, like two months traveling and looking around and, you know, ideas varied. Mostly it went from like juice bar with massage spa type idea Uh to hostel juice bar. Like wanting to create a fun, healthy tourist environment. Okay. That was more more or less the vision. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like he had a young son, he had other financial yeah. responsibilities and right. plane tickets to pay and child support to pay and things like that made it to where we did have more financial responsibilities together in that just me myself alone. Yeah. 
And at that time, I mean, was there a lot of tourism coming through Santa Catalina? There was some, but as you can imagine, only as much as five hotels could hold. Could hold yeah. Yeah. Um, so did it, did it work out the way you thought, like in your mind? Well, you tell me if this was a, like, it, I'm just listening to you talk and you were saying how you wanted to be like in a community and absorbed in the community. And like, did all that kind of pan out for you with the building of the space? Oh no. For the first time in my life, I was this rich gringa. Ah. <laughs> Whereas here I had given up like, you know, these, this financial piece in my life and traveled with no money whatsoever. And pr previously when I was traveling, I was camping on the beach in Mexico and Central America or staying in really cheap, cheap places on my own. And the fact that I had money or had would be viewed as having money wasn't really a big piece for me. I knew that I, I had access to that and that I was coming from the land of opportunity for right. sure. Right. And I acknowledged that. And that's what allowed me to be in Panama now and having mm -hmm. saved and everything. But to be viewed as that and negatively, I mean, like, uh, hit you in break your my face. Break my little, you know, hippie ego. Yeah. What did that do for you, like internally? Like, and I mean, you said break your hippie ego, but like, really, like, <laughs> what did that like do? Cause, because that's a mind thing, right? Like, it would be for me. And it's something that I thought about even just the, the short period of time that I was in Santa Catalina and recognizing that even myself having a certain amount of privilege there, right? Coming in and how I was looked at, but also like how I would. I caught myself often like doing a check yourself Candace when I would view certain things because it wasn't Western and, or how this thing might've appeared in the, the States to somebody, you know, like poor or um, poor people or they're living in a shack kind of thing, you know? And, and I remembered like literally on a walk saying, whoa, stop you are not in the US and this is not that. And that man that lives in the shack also greets you with a smile every time he sees you. Exactly. So like, exactly. Wh what did that do for you, right? Like in- There's so many layers, Candace, I know. oh my God. <laughs> I don't even know if I, have a if I have a great question, but I just- There are so many layers and this is a lot of what I'm writing about right now. And then I'm getting more curious about again, mm. right? And I'm mm -hmm. starting to talk to elders in the community about okay. life before tourism, uh -huh. life now, and like this whole idea of romanticizing mm. in a way poverty. Yes. Yes. So, okay, I'm coming to this place and it's going to be so beautiful because more is less. Hmm. But, but lucky me, because I come from more and now here I am plopped down in less. Yeah. And what does that mean? Cause I don't want to be looked at as having more. That's a bad thing. Right. In my mind and like a lot of the spiritual culture, even the counterculture money being rich is a bad thing. Okay. Yep. And so I didn't want to be seen as this rich person, this bad person. No, I wanted to come here and help and be part, viewed as part of the community and be able to help. But very early on when some people came asking me for help, I realized, oh, no, I can't help in that way. I can't help in just giving everybody who asked me for help and women coming to me saying their babies were hungry and they needed money for milk. Yeah. Going, I don't think I can do that yeah. because I don't know if that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where, where that, where I'll end up. Right. 
it was so hard to navigate in the beginning. Yeah. And luckily we did have a great crew of people and neighbors who, like you said, they, they taught me like, okay, maybe you think we're poor, mm -hmm. but we're not. Right. We're happy. <sighs> we're, our lives are rich. Yeah. This is, we know no other way. This is how we get our water in a 50 gallon drum. <laughs> This is how <laughs> we make a living. We go out fishing and yep. we joke around and we greet you and we share what we have even yeah. with you Yeah. of here. I did catch a fish. You want it neighbor? Yep. Mm. And, and realizing I have this need just in our enculturation to pay that back of like, what do I owe you for it? And like, no, 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 no. That's an insult. Ooh. That's your mentality. Yes. I'm giving it's, you a gift as a neighbor. Wouldn't you give a gift as a neighbor? It's a community, it's like, right? It's a true community, right? Where we help each other out, you know, like, we, we, I often hear people say the wor words, you know, I take this to heart, but it takes a village, right? And I believe that wholeheartedly, but I believe that from the standpoint of, yes, I, if I ha have the ability, if I get, if I make a bunch of cookies, I'm going to take cookies to my neighbor next door. If I've been out, I don't fish, but you know, if I were to do that, I would give some to you. We often, for the time that I was there, there was often a lot of moving of that kind of thing of, oh, here you go. Got this, do that, you know. And would you feel insulted if your neighbor was like, oh, how much can I pay you for these cookies? <laughs> but you were just like randomly bringing by because you bake. It's right. definitely a rich poor thing. Yes, it totally is. It totally is. And it's also something that doesn't necessarily happen as often here, right? I feel like it did when I was younger, but I see more and more fences getting built up, right? And and with the, the taller fences comes this, this is my family and we stick to in, in our home and in our house. And there's not at much of that neighborly um, goodness and that community sense, true sense of community. I don't, I don't know. I don't see it as much anymore. Yeah, let's face it, an online community is not the same as how you move about the world every no. day and your interactions with people and these opportunities to learn and to share or to change that are presented to us every day when we're in the present moment and we're out moving about in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. So did you, did things start to shift then at some point? with the community for you? Well, and you and I have talked a lot about privilege yeah. and here, and we've started to talk about it here about, okay, I came from more opportunity, but what I started realizing is one of my greatest um, privileges or advantages was just that American mindset mm. that as depressed as we seem as a culture, Americans are optimistic mm. and that mindset of like, and even if it's bootstrap mentality, if it's spiritual mentality of we create our own reality or we can make shit happen, yeah, it's deeply ingrained in our yeah. culture. And that is not <laughs> the reality in Latin America, which is interesting because it, it's a more contented, like, less is more we're grateful and happy with what we have they're missing that striving element that we have of let's make shit happen you can yeah. do it if you try so in that there was another whole and i said many layers like cultural clash with that lack mentality i mean i've heard people say to me why bother yeah there, you know, there, you mean like people say to you, yes. there, why bother? Okay. Yes. In Catalina, I've heard um, more than once that what's the saying? Mejor hacer nada. 
it's better to do nothing. <laughs> because then if you have this, it's more problems. And if you have that, right. like, why bother? This is, and this is what attracted me to it. And it was what was repelling me in that I love the hammock mentality of like, Let's not strive too hard. God provides. <laughs> we have everything we need uh -huh. right here. Uh -huh. And if I don't, my brother, my neighbor will bring me a fish. Right. And me kind of starting to rattle cages a bit as a business owner now of like, yeah, but don't you want to do better for yourself? Mm, and what is better? And what is better, having more, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, some health insurance? And they're not worried about it. They're like, it'll work out. It'll we work got out. faith. We have trust. And right. yet I realized all these Americanisms starting to come in mm -hmm. and slip out when I was trying to run a business and I needed people to come on time. If at all, like some of our worst employees just wouldn't show up. And I'd be like, where is he? Oh, he didn't tell you he's not coming today. <laughs> like what? Wouldn't fly here. That would not work here at all in America. And so it became a really interesting dance, you know, yeah. but at one point I did start taking myself way too seriously. And yeah, it all kind of became too much. Yeah. What were the, like, what was a, something that you got out of that that was like a lesson for you? Like as far as, cause you're having these clash of cultures within yourself, basically, you really want this, but at the same time, you're holding on to this that you, that was ingrained within you. So what's the lesson here? Like, what are you learning from all of this? I think it's one of our biggest lessons here is I'm learning mm. and I'm accepting myself. Mm. Just accepting what is. Yeah. Because here I wanted, I didn't want that. I wanted something other. And so in searching for something other, I'm searching for something outside of myself in a sense. And then wherever you go, there you are. Mm -hmm. Like thinking I'm not that, I'm other. And then realizing, oh, when I get here, everybody sees me as exactly what I didn't want to be, this rich American. Right. And then just coming to terms with that and finding some acceptance and trying to find balance. Yeah, yeah. We are who we are. We can't escape it, right? And it's like you, you, you come in and again, it's like those labels again, like if we can stop labeling ourselves in some regard, right. And just be in the space that we're in, be who we are, walk in, in kindness. And, you know, like you said, acceptance, right. And I think that that, that helps others, right. Because they see you just as who you are. You're not trying to be anything different or trying to make whatever. It's like, oh, that's just Michelle, you know, like, I don't know. Think about if we were able to have these conversations without any of our baggage and just being in the present moment with what is. So because now I have a newfound curiosity with my writing and I am talking to the old senoras in town and people right. who remember what it was to live here almost without any money. Right. So talk about God provides, they were truly living off the land. Yeah. And saying, I wanna talk to you about this, you know, like I wanna talk to you about your opinion and and, and if you feel it was better, harder, better Are they being worse. pretty open with talking to you? Yes. And there are people that I've known for many years. And the, and the reason I started the conversation is because this particular woman, she greeted me and put her hand on my shoulder. Oh, mi amiga, I haven't seen you in so long, you know? Like I only see you once a year now and like joking with me. And I was like, oh, she's somebody, she's in her sixties. Uh -huh. 
that there is a certain level of trust and of, of knowing one another, of history together that yeah. I can talk to her. And the second we started talking and we were standing around the fruit shop, um, I realized a lot of other baggage started coming up for me. Okay. Because she started saying some of this stuff of, oh, better to do nothing, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, immediately my arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, you think you're over it. You think you've shined all this love and acceptance down on your differences and you're getting real, like personally triggered. Yeah. Because you've got your opinions yep. and what you think is best. And then you know, that they, you see and coming from a different perspective, like a broader perspective, perhaps that they could have more, like we said, or better, or, eh, but they're content. They're happy. With and that's their what lives. drew me here. Right. <laughs> and that's what drew you here. And they're happy with their lives. You know, it goes oh, the sweet irony, Candace. I know. Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, Mm. I'm just trying to think of like, again, I mean, we've talked about like that idea of, of privilege of coming into another space and like another country and living with that. Do you find now that you've been here for, and maybe this is what you're getting at too, that some of that stuff is still coming up. You've been there for 15 years. Is that what you said? 15 years, 17, 17 years. I mean, do you see yourself like taking on any of like the traditions and things of, of the country, or are you still very much just, um, this American woman living in Santa Catalina? Gosh, I feel like you might be able to answer that better from the outside looking in, but I mean, cause as relaxed as I think I am, I don't know, I'm pretty driven. And I mean, mm -hmm. I'm focusing on the things I love and yeah. that's kind of how I found my balance in that I'm writing, I'm doing my art, my yoga, my beach walks. And so I know that is kind of, it is an alternative reality to most. Right. But for me, I'm very focused and I'm very driven still with the things that I love. Um, Another whole piece to what's essentially poverty mentality, which I hadn't realized was there is a sense of lack. And like we said, like saying that the rich person is bad, mm -hmm. it makes us better. If we're mm -hmm. struggling and we're here down low, mm -hmm. if we're we are the other and we are different and we are better. And it's a little mini ego stroke whenever we complain or whenever we criticize or put, you know, somebody other. Right. It's to say that we're better somehow. And I started falling into that too. It's the underlying energy here. Yeah. Even amongst the foreigners, and I don't know if you felt that or not, but it's, it's somewhat competitive, but it's also like, I don't want you to succeed because that means I'm losing. Mm -hmm. It's a very weird, it's very mm -hmm. intertwined because here it's one thing of like, I mean, we can... I know we're just talking to figure things out because right. this is something that seems to contradict itself. It's like, okay, we're better because we're down here struggling and we're not rich and we don't want to be, but yet we don't want you to be there either. It'd be better <laughs> if you were down here with us. Right. It's, it's, that's a weird thing. And this, this thing you're talking about of, of otherness, I mean, cause we can take that into a whole other bigger conversation too. Right. But like, it is, it's odd there's, because it's almost still like that. There's not that acceptance for who people real, for who anybody is right. Like I, if I'm here and I'm down, I don't have money, whatever, but I'm still looking at you as like, I want you down here. Why can't I just accept that 
you're where you are because of, because that's what you want to be doing, right? If it's and, mejor hacer nada to do nothing and you're happy with where you are, right? then you're fine and you should be happy for other people who are succeeding or yes, who want more. Who want more because that's what they want in their lives. And so I can accept you having, you know, living where you want to live and living how you want to live, which may in some be little or nothing. And I can accept you living in your your bigger or whatever house and having the things that you have, because that's what you choose to do and how you choose to live your life. None of it is good. None of it is bad. It all simply is. And can we just live in that space? Well, and I think because most foreigners did come here for the same reason I did to live a more simple lifestyle. Mm -hmm even though they're working in the trenches, basically like really hustling here. Yeah, yeah. To make I, a dollar, yep. it's still bad to be rich Yeah. in their minds too. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and that was what, you know, I, I wanted to come there too. I had for a multitude of reasons, right? But one of those things was this, I was, I was fed up with so much that was happening here. I'm still fed up with everything that's happening here. That hasn't changed. Um, <laughs> and more <laughs> keeps happening. God. Um, but being there, you know, I, I got to experience like, at first it was good, you know, like that first month it's like, oh yeah, beach walks, do to do, hammocky. And then I started to notice something inside myself going, what are you doing? You need to be busy. You need to be doing, you should be creating. You should be blah, 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 in my head. Right. And so then there's this pulling, tugging kind of thing back and forth between you're here and it's, I'm not a totally do nothing mentality. That's not who I am as a person, but also I can live a simple life, live amongst nature and still create and do. It's just finding out how to create that, like you said, balance earlier. Yeah. And I mean, we went through so much and we worked so hard to get to where I am now, which is essentially where I wanted to be anyway in the beginning Yeah, of just giving a couple massages a week, riding my bike, eating some pineapples, staring at the monkeys. <laughs> Right. You know? It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. All right. I want to get to your book, like really talking about your book a little bit before we, we have to end here. So tell, tell us all about the, the name of your book and like what it's about. So the first book is Heart First, A Female Psychedelic Call to Adventure. And that is kind of the first part of what we talked about here about answering the call yeah of like okay there is something more mm -hmm. and me giving up you know some of my privilege what I viewed as giving up my privilege right <laughs> and trying not to rely on money and starting to move about the world and essentially I'm a kinesthetic learner so like wanting to learn more about universal law about how the world really truly works and turning off all the exterior stuff and trying to turn off the programming, right? Yeah. So that first book is more about psychedelics, my travel adventures, and, and really trying to escape the system. And now what I'm working on is my second book, which really involves more of the conversation we had today about okay. arriving in Panama, mm. you know, um, with this idea that... I was going to live this more simple lifestyle right. and just it getting super complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you like, so my question, I guess, is just about this idea of following your heart, right? Because I say, you know, I say that to people following the heart, following my gut, you know, like for you, how was it to get to that place or what is it like, or what do you feel in your body? Like, I, maybe that's the question. What do you feel in your body mm. when you say, when you, so how do you know, like, how do I know that Santa Catalina is it? How do I know that I needed to live in Tucson, Arizona when I needed to go there, you know, and, 
and like, and, and trusting that I'm moving now. I just like on a whim, you know, like, okay, let's go to Colorado. You know, like, how is that for you in your body? Like, what's the experience? I have a chapter in my new book called When You Know You Know. Ooh. <laughs> Can we get a preview? <laughs> <laughs> yep, right here. Um, because if you've ever met that person that you know you want to spend your life with and people are going how do you know how do you know how do you know if you don't know you don't know yeah when you know you know, know. Mm -hmm. and so if you don't know it's not it it's not it yeah oh I like that and so when you have that calling I mean it can be a little whisper right it can be the whisper of this isn't right yeah school's not for me this job is not for me. Mm -hmm. Living here is not for me. Okay, that's the first sign. Right. But to me, you can't get stuck in the complaining or the negative or the what you don't want. It's like, okay, let's be clear. We don't want this. Right. What do we want? Mm -hmm. Do we want this? Do we want that? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so is maybe getting closer. Okay. I don't think so. And then do you want this? Oh, yes. A hundred percent. Yes. In my entire being. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how I know. What does it feel like? It feels like I just like swallowed or engulfed, like my whole physical body engulfed. Yes. Engulfed. This, this is it. I know 100%. I mean, yeah, it's like every piece of me was saying yes. When we found Santa Catalina, it was the stars, the beach combing, the people, the, the amount of, of people there weren't <laughs> there yeah, or how right. undeveloped it was just everything about it was screaming. Yes. And yeah. like, I think until we do have that, it's not it. How many friends have you sat there and listened to that are in a relationship that they, it's good enough and they're just not sure though. Is it it? It's good enough. I don't know. It's like, why do you want to be in a life that's yep. just good enough good that you're enough. not sure about? Mm. Mm. I mean, then you're living a life that's kind of just good enough right. and not to your full potential. Right. And, but it's <laughs> that fear, right? That fear that keeps, you know, that I, I, I always talk about like the idea of like staying in something that is known and the, the known, even though it's not good and you're saying it's not really good, it's just good enough or it's just okay. But the unknown seems scarier, but how are you going to know that this unknown place could be the place of magic, right? But you got to step out of that. And this is where I often wonder, like, you know, so far I've been taught that every time you take risks, you are rewarded. Yep. Right. You know, well, I don't know, like, has everybody taken risks and been rewarded? I mean, I think when we look at things from the perspective of, well, how did I learn from this? Even if it went, you know, tits up or something. Right. <laughs> tits up. How did I learn from this? Am well, I allowed to say that? <laughs> I, I, whatever. It was on that. I, I just, yes, you're allowed to say it. But what was I going to say? It's also like, um. Oh shit, I just totally lost my train of thought because well, I'm all on for TikTok the tits, now. the tits. The tits like distracted me totally. Anyways. Um but yeah, what were you saying before you said tits? Up? Like, okay, even if something goes totally sideways, was there a reward in it? Is yes. every time we take a risk, is there are we rewarded in some how? Even if it's a lesson. I mean, right. we'll see in so what far. I've, the last podcast that I did where it was just me reflecting was like play plus risk equals growth. And I totally see that, but I also don't look at things as anymore. I should preface that. Like, I don't look at things like that anymore. Cause there was a time where I would look like, shit, I failed at that again, or that totally messed up. Right. I don't look at things like that anymore. I look at things as like, 
I'm curious about something. I'm going to play in it. I'm going to step out, leap out on faith a little bit. And if it goes a little, you know, left when it should have gone right, then that's, that's okay. We, we readjust then, you know, we figure out it then, but you know, it's like for me leaving and coming to, you know, well, let's even go back further. Buying the studio, total risk, total risk. It was good until it wasn't. And then I leapt again. Don't know. I'm moving to Tucson. Don't know what I'm going to be doing there. Don't have a plan, but I got a place to live. Right. That's all I knew. And then same thing. Jump to Santa Catalina. How long are you going for Candace? Don't have a clue. Couldn't give you an answer. I'm going until it's not where I'm supposed to be anymore, you know, and then I'll figure out what next. Right. But I think if we were to look at it in the, in the mentality of like, oh shit, you, you lost your studio. Dang, you're leaving. Why'd you leave Santa Catalina? You didn't like it there. You didn't love it. It wasn't what you wanted it to be. No, it was everything that it was supposed to be. And it was everything that I needed. But now it's time to do the other thing. That man might've been what you needed for 12 years. That woman might've been what you needed for 10 years. And then there's something else, you know? And it's okay. And I think when we ignore the good enough, that's when maybe more signs come in. It's like good enough, but then this happens and that's not right. Good enough, but then my health, something's happening with my health or some other form of dis-ease comes yeah. into my life that wakes me up. And I think the more tuned into nature we are and tuned in to ourselves through meditation, through yoga, whatever, we can start to tune into those things a little quicker and go, okay, nope, this isn't right. Yeah. It's not good enough. Yeah. Which leads me back to like the idea of that we started the conversation with too, is this is the idea of social media, right? And, and these handheld devices that we're so tuned into that we're no longer tuned into ourselves and our bodies and our thoughts and our feelings the way we could to be informed about how to move through life. Because our bodies tell us everything that we want to know. But so pe people are so disconnected that we just don't, we can't even feel it to know it. I know. I wonder if there'll be a big swing back with more mindfulness with parents now saying, okay, guys, we're going to live a whole day without our phones or right. we're going camping. Let's put the phones away for an entire weekend. All of us. Let's see what that's like. I mean, yeah. there's that's very a great few experiment people. to try. I think there's right? very few people that are even thinking. No, people go out way. to dinner. I mean, I don't know how many people I see out to dinner. They're sitting across from another person and they're both on their phones. And that's something that like drives me mad. I'm just like, why are you even out with each other? If this is what you came to do. There is a couple that comes here fairly regularly. He's an acupuncturist and they're like, you know, granola, Oregon farm owners, and they have two young kids. And they realized that when they were having like family dinners and things like that, Thanksgiving dinner, everybody's on their phone. And they were like, no, 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 no. They yeah. made a rule. No phones inside our house. Ooh. And put a sign on the door also to keep themselves accountable while yep. they're with their small children. That if you want to go be on your phone, you need to be outside and just seeing how often you need to leave the house and even go stand up in the cold in it's like the rain. Cigarette breaks. You gotta exactly. take <laughs> exactly. And it better be important because right? you're walking away from your two small children now wow. to go do that. That's really great. Okay. We were just to listen to ch some couple challenges to people in their <laughs> lives. If you're listening, a sign on the door that says no <laughs> cell phones in the house. And if, if you can't do that, maybe just try a weekend, you know, or maybe even a day to start with. Well, and I think phone. they probably have a computer and like an office and that's where they do their work. And that time right. is a lot of doing work, but like just spending, I mean, how often are we 30 minutes later, still in a text right. app or a yep. 
you know, a time warp. Right. <laughs> well, and getting used to like, I'm trying to be more purposeful here because in Santa Catalina, I would leave my phone in the house. Like, and I didn't take it everywhere. Right. And so right now I've been using it a lot because I don't know where I am anymore. I have to Google everywhere I'm going, but I work, try really hard just to get, to plug it up into a wall somewhere and leave it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's where it belongs during walks and yoga and yep. that time for ourselves, our play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for this conversation. I always love talking with you and I miss our walks and talks on the beach so very much. And, um, and I can't wait to get back there to see you and hug you and walk with you. Thank you. Thanks for this platform too of wandering and wondering. I think it's great. And I'm wishing you the best with this. It will be interesting where this risk takes you or putting yourself out there leads, right? We just never know, but following the signs, listening to that whisper, you knew. Yep. Yep. Thank you for that. Yeah. Right. How did you know? Can you tell me and maybe your listeners <laughs> that you wanted to do this? You know, mine always is a really like in internal in my body, like, like nose and, and maybe so's always make me feel ill. It always makes me feel mm. ill in my body. And when it's a yes, I might it feels like my heart wants to explode out of my body. I often will have these like tears of like, just like, oh my God, yes, joy kind of things that happen. But, and, and I just know that way that my body, I'm, I've worked really hard to develop the ability to listen to my body. And it has paid off for me 110%. So. Yay. Yay. All right. Love you, girl. Love you too. Thanks, lady. Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode with my good friend, Michelle Miller. She's an author and her first book is already out there and available. Um, So check it out. It's called Heart First, A Female Psychedelic Call to Adventure. And her second book will be released October 2022 entitled Heart First, A Reawakening. So please do check her out. And as always, if something about this podcast resonates with you, please, please, please do share it with others and rate and review it here or wherever it is that you happen to be listening to. It'll be a great uh, service to me. Thanks so much. Be kind, be well, be love. Peace.